to the KC City Church Audio Podcast. We pray you enjoy this following sermon. Are you still excited? Okay, I haven't been given much time, but I'll, I'll try and get through it all. You know, I love this time of year. It's um, such an exciting time. I love, uh, I love the atmosphere. I, I love the, the, the fact that we get to celebrate the birth of Christ. I know for some it's, it's not so much fun at all. For some it's, it's a time of stress. It's a time of, of heartache. You know, I think of the ones who have just lost family and friends over in, in New Zealand. And, and for them this is going to be a, a Christmas like no other. There were people that go through stress, people that go through problems, uh, financial difficulties at this time of year. People that don't believe in Christ, so therefore this means nothing to them. Yes, it's a time of whose house is it, will, will we have lunch at this year? What present will I buy them? Will it be, can I get a present that is, doesn't cost much, that they haven't already got, and that nobody else has already bought? How do I do that? And all these things go through our mind. But putting all that aside, it's a, it's a, it's a time when we get to celebrate the fact that Jesus Christ came to earth to save. What an awesome time. The greatest man who ever lived who changed the, the course of this world. And, and, and most people don't even realize it. And most people don't even acknowledge his, his, um, his, his part that he played in, in changing this atmosphere, changing the world. You know, the greatest tragedy of Christmas is not that the commercialization, and look, Christmas is so commercialized today, but that's not the biggest tragedy. The biggest tragedy is the fact that it's been trivialized so much. People have forgotten for him. Uh, people have forgotten him for whom this is all about. And I know CJ said this morning, Jesus is the reason for the season. And every year that comes out, and it is, yes, it is a cliche. But you know what? People have forgotten why we do this. And as Pastor Larry mentioned last week, it's become a lot more about Santa than about Jesus. We went to our, uh, our granddaughter's Christmas concert, they call it nowadays, um, at, at school. And, and uh, we're right at the very back and we, we're standing at the back and, and the first grade gets up and it's, um, here comes Santa Claus, here comes Santa Claus, right down Santa Claus Lane. And the next, the next grade gets up and it's, Santa Claus is coming to town. And the next grade gets up and it's something about a, about a shark Santa. Never heard that one before. A shark Santa. Hope it's not the new version of Sharknado. But the shark Santa. And then the choir gets up at the end and the choir is a, is a, a group from each, each grade. I'm thinking, oh, this is going to be a grand finale. And they sing a song out of, um, out of The Greatest Showman. Nothing to do with, with Christmas at all. There was not one song about Jesus Christ. People have forgotten what this is all about. My reading this morning, or my message, I guess, <clears throat> is found in Luke chapter 2. And I want to read just th- um, four verses from uh, verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. And it says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. You know, I, I feel like most of my message already, has already been preached from what's been said already uh, this morning throughout the, the whole of the, the preamble, if, if you want to call it that. But verse 9 says, an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. 
and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. I have just three points, three long points to bring out this morning. Point one, fear not. Fear not. You know, Isaiah 43 verse 1 says, But now thus says the Lord who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. Hold on to that thought. I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Saviour. You know, God actually commands us to fear not. The phrase fear not appears over 80 times throughout the Word of God. You think maybe he's trying to tell us something? Don't fear. Don't fear. Don't fear disease. Don't fear problems. Don't fear circumstances. Don't fear finances. Don't fear issues that arise. And why? Because we belong to an all-powerful, all-knowing, victorious Father who's already won the war, who cares deeply about each one of us, concern for us, whatever we fear. It may be, it may be a health problem. It may be a family crisis. It may be a financial difficulty. Fear not. Fear not. You've heard the saying, there's nothing to fear but fear itself. And that's so true. When fear grips you and grabs a hold of you, it causes you to stop in your tracks. I I looked it up on, on Google and I found the 10 biggest fears that hold us back. The fear of inadequacy. I'm not good enough. The fear of uncertainty. I'm afraid of the unknown. I don't want to step out in faith because I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't want to make that, that step that, where God's called me because I might make the wrong, the wrong choice or the wrong decision. The fear of failure, the fear of rejection, the fear of missing out, the fear of change, the fear of losing control and the fear of being judged. The 10 top fears that stop you and I from doing things for God. Revelation 1, 17 says, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. You know, we're born with only two innate fears. We are born with just two fears. Two fears. The fear of loud sounds and the fear of falling. That's all you're born with. The fear of falling and the fear of, uh, of loud sounds. All the other fears come as we grow, as we get through. By the time we reach uh, school age, we've, we've accumulated all these extra fears. By the time we actually graduate from high school, we've, we've accumulated more fears. By the time we enter the workforce, more fears have, have come upon us. But you're only born with two. And you know what fear does? Fear stops us. It buckles us. It stops us from doing what God wants us to do. Why? Because we begin to, to, to dilute. It begins to dilute the fact that, that God is truth. And it dilutes that truth in our lives and, and it makes us want to stop and say, well, hang on, is God going to be able? Hath God said? Is God able? Most of you know I work for the, the, the Bendigo Bank and, <clears throat> and uh, 
I'm a, what they call a risk and compliance manager. So I used to work in, in the Melbourne metro region and I had a couple of regions. I'd go into about 30 branches uh, every six months and uh, make sure that they're doing all the right things, complying with all the bank's legislation and laws and complying with the government legislation. And uh, I used to work in Melbourne metro. And about six months ago, my boss rang me and said, listen, Brian, uh, one of the girls in, in Gippsland, in the Gippsland region, has been seconded into a different role for six months. Would you mind going down there and helping us out? And I was a bit, you know, hesitant at first. But I said, yeah, sure, I'll go down and help you out. She said, we've picked you because you live in officer, so you're sort of down, geographically, you're probably the closest down that way anyway. Long story short, uh, about a, six months comes to an end in, in, on the 31st of December. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, I got a call from my boss saying, come, come down to Warrigal and, and meet you down there. And I said, yeah, sure. And um, we go into the office and she said, well, look, we've, we've determined that, that the role in, in, in Melbourne Metro, we've worked pretty well with only three staff in there. We've, re, we've re-looked at the staff and we don't, we've lasted six months with only three staff there. We don't need you back in Melbourne Metro. So we've determined that we're one person over than what we need. So I'm, I'm the person on, on, out on the limb now because I was in Melbourne Metro. They don't need me back there. I'm only relieving the person down here in Gippsland because she's been seconded somewhere else. She's coming back on the 31st of December. So my, my first thought, my immediate thought was, what's going to happen? So immediately fear steps in. And this is what fear does. It, see, it begins to dilute the fact that God's in control and God's in charge. And so therefore, as we start to think about things, and if I allowed it to fester, you know, but I came home and I talked it over with Trace and I said, well, uh, at the end of the day, as we started to, to think about things, you know what? It's okay. It's okay. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and, and as I started to push fear aside, a peace came over me. And I began to understand and began to re- recognize that, you know what? God's in control. God's in charge and not me. Long story short, I've actually kept the job, so thankfully. Not so good for the other lady that was in the role, unfortunately, but I have prayed for her. So uh, <laughs> that God will be kind to her and bless her and find her a great job. <clears throat> but fear steps in and takes control. You know, but the Bible says he will never leave you nor forsake you. Don't be afraid. Don't be discouraged. You know, when you're, when you're fearing a situation, when you're fearing uh, an emotional challenge, and uh, I want these words to, to burn in your heart. You know what? I am here. You will be okay. I, I'm all you need. You're never going to be alone because that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. You know, last week, Pastor, Pastor Larry talked about and actually stole my message for last, from last week because I was going to speak on Emmanuel, God with us. <laughs> but that's okay <coughs> because I'll throw it in here somewhere. <coughs> right? He's never going to leave you alone. He's always going to be with you. Genesis 26, 24 says, The Lord appeared to me, and here it is. The Lord appeared to, to, uh, appeared to him the same night and said, I am the God of your father, Abraham. Don't fear, for I am with you. I'm going to be there. Uh, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. We don't have to fear because God is always going to be there. He is always. And I don't understand sometimes, and, and, and I'm sure we, we got the gist of what Pastor Larry was saying last week, was that, you know what, we don't understand and we don't comprehend the magnitude of that phrase, God with us. We seem to have lost that. Do we really understand? And I'm, I'm talking to myself now because I'm exactly the same. 
We go through life and, and do we really understand that God is with us? When I'm walking right now, God is with me. When you go out into the street, when you go to, to work, when you go to school, whatever it is, God is with you. It doesn't matter what circumstance, situation you find yourself in. God is with you. He's never going to leave you. Get that into your heart. Get that into your heart. Head, heart, wherever. God is with you. <laughs> you know, and I think the way the world is at the moment, they, they don't, they've forgotten that, you know, and, and the more they push God out of things, the more they push God out of things, they, they begin to understand that, that, that they, uh, well, they don't understand it really, but they needed God there in the first place because things are so, so out of control. You know what God said in the Old Testament to the, to the Israelites? He, said, he, he simply said this. He said, Genesis 20, 28 um, and verse 13. He says, Behold, I am with you and will keep you in every place where you go and will bring you again into this land, for I will not leave you until. I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you of. <laughs> Do you think they got a hold of that? Do you think they understood that? I will not leave you. I will not leave you until I have done what I have. And you know what? He carries that through to the New Testament. But he goes a step further because in Matthew 28, 20, he says, teaching them to observe all things, whatever I commanded you, and behold, I am with you even till the end of the world. He's going to be with you. So he was with them until he fulfilled the promise in their lives. He's with us until the end of the world. So I don't care when the world finishes. I don't care if it's going to finish next week or next month or next year or next decade. It doesn't matter because he's going to be with me regardless of when that situation occurs. And I need to get that into my spirit. Point two, fear not, I bring you good tidings. Good tidings. Next year it's about re-engaging the gospel, the good news. The good news. You know, we don't have good news. Uh-uh. We have great news, great news. You know, Isaiah 52, 7 says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know, at this time of year, awesome time of year, um, although it's good and, you know, it's not about the presence, although that's also good. And if you already bought my present, that's okay. Bring it and I'll, I'll accept it. It's not about the presence, but it is about his presence. It's about the proclamation that our God reigns. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Our God reigns. He is not here. He is risen. Our God reigns. Hallelujah. Isaiah 40 and verse 9. I know I have plenty of scriptures, so hopefully you're writing them down. O Zion, you who bring good tidings, get up unto the high mountains. You know what? We've got great news. So get up in the high mountains and begin to shout it out. It says here, O Jerusalem, you who bring good tidings, lift up your voice with strength. This is not a time to be shy. This is a time to say, you know what? Our God reigns. God is good. Behold your God. Matthew 11 and verse 3, blind people see again, lame people are walking. Those with skin diseases are made clean. Deaf people hear again. 
dead people are brought back to life and poor people hear the good news, the good news that our God reigns. And point three, great joy. Fear not, I bring you glad tidings of great joy. Great joy, not just joy, but great joy. Joy unspeakable, full of glory, joy inexpressible, joy that you can't even begin to explain, begin to, to, to try and tell somebody about. John, uh, John 13, 11, I think it's 13, I can't see, hang on. No, it's 15. John 15, <laughs> looks like a three. <laughs> John 15, 11, these things I have spoken to you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. Full joy is great joy. You'll only find great joy or full joy when you come into the presence of God. When you begin to understand, you know what, there's portions of joy. You will find, and I've spoken about this before, you will find happiness in, in certain circumstances. You'll find joy in some situations. Yes, you'll, there'll be laughter in your home through circum, circ, circumstances. And, and when people get together and, and this, at this time of, of Christmas, over the Christmas lunch when and everybody's joking and laughing and carrying on, yes, there is joy, but that's not the joy I'm talking about. This is about real joy, joy that is expressed from within, joy that comes wellowing up from inside. Job 38 verse 7 says, joy was ex- great joy was expressed in creation. Matthew 2.10 says, great joy was expressed at the coming of Christ. Matthew 28 and 8 says, great joy was expressed at his resurrection. Acts 15 and 3 says, great joy was expressed at the conversion of sinners. Joy. You will show me the path of life, the Bible says. In your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. You want real joy? Get into the presence of God. Don't just walk around saying, oh, woe is me. Get into the presence of God because he said, real joy is found in his presence. Don't waste your time trying to find it in in the material stuff and the the commercialization of Christmas. Don't try and find it in, in somebody else. Because somebody else will make you laugh. Somebody else will, will bring joy to your, to your, to your life for a, a, a moment or even maybe a little longer than a moment. But, but when we want real joy that is expressed through what we have, that we live our lives and comes only from God, that no one else can take away. You know what Mary said in her song in Luke chapter, chapter 1, verse 47, it says, My spirit finds joy in God my Saviour. That was her song when she realised that she was pregnant with Almighty God. My spirit finds joy in God, my Saviour. The three, oh, I was going to say the three wise men. The wise men, <laughs> regardless of the number of them. And I'll finish with this thought. The wise men, <clears throat> as they came and they, they, they were told uh, to, to, to head towards the, the city of Bethlehem. As they were told to head, head towards there, and they'll find the star that will be over the place where the, the baby lay. <clears throat> and the Bible says that when they saw the star, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with joy. No, it didn't say that at all. It says when they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. No, it didn't say that either. It said, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. 
It's not just joy. It's, it's joy that's, uh, that's unsurpassable. Is that a word? Unsurpassable? Insurpassable? Insurmountable? Can't get past it? Joy that, that no one else can bring. The, the joy that exceeding great joy. You know, we, we always gauge our happiness <clears throat> on getting things that we want. And, and I'll be honest, you know, if, if I get a pair of socks at Christmas time, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. Well, right? Especially if it's from my son or my grandson or, you know, I'm happy. I'm not joyful, right? I'm happy. And, and we, all, we, all get, we all get happiness out of, out of things that happen in our lives. And uh, we, experience, we experience pleasures. And I've experienced some great pleasures over my life. I'm 63, turned 64 in about six months. And, and, and you know, over those, those many years, I've experienced many hours of pleasure. We watched our grandson play basketball, his last basketball game yesterday for the year. <clears throat> and, man, he was on fire. He's only, what, 10? 11, sorry, pretty close. Uh, he's 11. <laughs> I keep, I tell the guys at work he's nine. Anyway, <laughs> he's 11. And we watched him play his last game of basketball. And man, he was, he was great. He was all over the court. He was, he was tackling like he was supposed to tackle. Not even flogging footy, but he was, you know, proper tackles. And, and he, was making, he was getting the ball and he, was, he, he, got, he got about nine points throughout the game. And man, he played well. And you know what? That brought me joy. Oh, it was, it was pleasurable to see him play. We watched our granddaughter, who is six. <laughs> we, watched, we, we watched her play. <laughs> we watched her play in the morning, uh, 10 o'clock in the morning, and, and her basketball as well. And uh, she, she's funny to watch. At six years of age, she's on the middle of the court and she's got a ponytail and all she does is watching a ponytail go around and, you know, just playing around on the... On the uh, anyway, she won the game. She got, she got a goal and, and the game was great. It was pleasurable watching them. And, and you know what? We, we do get pleasure and joy out of things in life because that's the way God designed us to be. But regardless of when things go right, what brings you exceeding great joy? It's about, the, it's about the presence of God and knowing that, that at this time of year, you know, over our Christmas lunch, when we have lunch, we're going to have lunch at our place this year. And I'm going <clears> to, <throat> as we get around before all the kids and before we, get the, the, before we get the meat out, but no, we'll have it out on the table. And before we get the kids, uh, let them go, because the kids, the boys just love their food, right? And they go with piles. Before we let them loose on the food, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that they realise that, that Jesus is the reason for the season. That it's because of him that they are able to be there to celebrate. <clears throat> We've got so many things to be thankful for this year. You all know the story of Taylor and I'm not going to go into it now. But, but you know, I'm going to bring that up on, on Christmas Day and I'm going to say how good, how good has God been to us this year. How much has he blessed us and how much have we been able to see the power of God. <clears throat> but you know what, even if God... Even if that wasn't done, we would still have the joy of the Lord in our hearts. We would still be filled with exceeding great joy because that's what it's all about. And so this is Christmas. And that was my title of the message. So this is Christmas.
And there's nothing more important than the presence of Jesus Christ. There's nothing more important than, than spending time in his presence and knowing that, that, that he is with us. You know what? If Jesus had never been born, we would be a people full of fear, with no good news and with no joy in our lives. In actual fact, I'd go as far as to say if Jesus had never been born, we would probably wish that we were never born. Have yourselves a merry little Christmas. Hallelujah.